Amen. Good morning. What a time of worship, huh? That was exciting. You know, they always bring it every single week, but every now and then I just think, I got, gosh, I got, we've had all this energy, excitement, and now, I, now me. You, you know, it's like, okay, everything's over. It's my turn. So, uh, so grateful for that time of worship. Hey, listen, we've had a, a lot going on this week. And uh, I thought it might be good to have a, a time of prayer uh, going on in our world, going on in our nation, and I'm sure in your own personal lives. And so we'll take a few mem- moments of silence and just let you pray about the things that are on your heart. And then in a moment, I will close. And some of you may be noticing there's some activity uh, back here. We have a, a, an individual that's got, a, I think, just a blood pressure issue. I think that's all it is. But the, uh, the medical staff is going to get him and uh, get him to some care where he can uh, be watched for. So when I pray about him, you'll know what I'm talking about and who I'm referring to. So let's pray. Lord, I am, we are so blessed to know the name Jesus, to be able to call that name Jesus. By that beautiful name, we pray. By that beautiful name, we are saved. Your word tells us that your name is a strong tower that we can run to. Lord, we're grateful in this moment right now with the the things we're praying about, the things going on in our lives and around us, that that we have a place of safety to run to, a strong tower to run to. Lord, I I lift up to you all that is going on in our world and our nation right now. I lift up to you the situation with Israel and Palestine, and we pray for peace. We pray for your peace, your peace for all people, peace that ultimately comes only through Christ. Lord, we lift up to you our nation. It, it just seems like there's just a lot going on. The, the oil and gas crisis this past week, the, the things going on at the border, all the various ideas about these things and the, the disagreement, the tension that, that builds in our society. I pray for our, our president, our governor, to do what is right and good and just. I pray you surround them with wise and godly counsel, counsel that they'll hear and respond to. Lord, even as we feel the heaviness of what's going around us, we're, Lord, we're grateful for some of the, the continuing good news that keeps coming out about COVID and, and the strong drop in cases, the, the fact that even here in our own commonwealth this past uh, Friday night, restrictions being dropped. We're so grateful for that, Lord. We certainly continue to pray for your protection from this disease and pray that it continues to be resolved and and healed in our nation and throughout our world. Lord, we also come before you with the various things in our heart and life. And I just, I pray with each person here, each person watching online, God, would you communicate your peace and your presence in those things? Lord, I pray in these very things we've prayed over this week, we'll see your goodness, your guidance, your faithfulness. Lord, we lift up our, our friend back here in the, in the back. Just pray that uh, what's going on there can be quickly and easily resolved. And 
We just pray your care and protection over his life and well-being. And Lord, just thankful for the people here that can give care and help uh, to, the, to him while the, the ambulance is on the way. Lord, we pray you'll take care of that situation. Lord, as we turn in just a moment to 1 John, we're sure grateful for all that you've communicated to your great servant, John. And I, Lord, as you gave those words, you had a reason and a purpose for it. And I, I pray that those reasons, I pray those purposes are accomplished in this church family, in this gathering. God, may we hear your word and may we be ever responsive to it. Develop in this church everything you had in mind when you spoke to John. We ask all this, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And uh, I, I, as I look up and say amen, I see Miss Esther Perkinson sitting down here. It's so wonderful to have you here today. Uh, y'all, y'all don't know, maybe a lot of you don't know Esther. Esther joined our church just a couple years back, 1945. Yeah, okay, so just a couple years shy of 80 years ago. She became a member of our church, and she's been away for several years, not very far from here, but um, with her family, uh, a, a little bit too far to continue coming here, but, but she is here today, and boy, what a blessing to be able to look down there and see you, Esther. Glad to have you here uh, worshiping with us today. Well, you know, I... Uh, Thinking about our passage today, what we've been looking at in John, I, I put something to the test last night. I, I set my alarm for like, I don't know, two or three in the morning, and I got up, and I walked through my house. And did you know I could do that? It, it was dark, you know, but I, I can do that. I can walk through my house in the dark with really a, a very strong sense of confidence. You know, I, I know where the furniture is. I've got a good feel for the spacing, and, and so, I, man, I can sail right through the dark with all kinds of confidence, but if you take that same level of darkness and you put me in surroundings that I'm not so familiar with, not so comfortable with, and I found two things happens with body parts. We pull our toes in, right? Nobody wants to catch their toe on the edge of the furniture. You know, we pull the toes in a little bit as we're moving through the darkness, and we put our, we put our hands out. You know, we got to kind of start feeling our way through. You see, when we're not confident, when we're not comfortable, we get a lot more cautious. John is watching a church some six decades after Christ has ascended into heaven. And he sees way too much confidence and way too much comfort as you and I live in the darkness And he reaches today what I feel like is a a pinnacle of his warning us about our level of comfort with the dark. Let's look at that today. First John, first John, there in your Bible, go to Revelation and then just back up a few pages. Go to the end of your Bible and just back up and you'll run into first John pretty quickly or Maybe you're using a church app. It's near the end of the line there. 1 John chapter 2, and I'm going to read today verses 18 through 27. 1 John 2 verse 18. Dear children, the last hour is here. The last hour is a reference to the end, to to the last time. The reason it's the last time is because Jesus has ascended and there's nothing left on the prophetic calendar to happen. 
before Jesus returns again. So we are in the last hour. They were in it. We're in it. You have heard that the Antichrist is coming, and already many such Antichrists, plural, have appeared. From this we know that the last hour has come. These people have left our churches, but they never really belonged to us. Otherwise, they would have stayed with us. When they left, it proved they did not belong with us. But you are not like that, for the Holy One has given you His Spirit. My translation says it's given you His Spirit. You're probably reading a translation that says given you His anointing. We'll, we'll see why those actually go together. You've been given His anointing, and all of you know the truth. So I'm writing, to, I'm writing to you not because you don't know the truth, but because you know the difference between truth and lies. And who is a liar? Anyone who says that Jesus is not the Christ. There may be some people that actually say Jesus is not the Christ. There's many, many others whose actions say Jesus is not the Christ. And you realize if your actions, if my actions say Jesus is the Christ, it doesn't matter if, if, if we affirm that he's the Christ, if our actions say otherwise. Anyone who denies the Father and the Son is an antichrist. Anyone who denies the Son does not have the Father either, but anyone who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. So you must remain faithful to what you've been taught. Uh, That word remain faithful, you probably see the word abide there. You must remain faithful to what you've been taught from the beginning. If you do, you will remain in fellowship with the Son and with the Father. And in this fellowship, we enjoy the eternal life He has promised us. We don't enjoy it when we die and go to heaven. We start enjoying it right now. Right now, I know I have no end. All that's in front of me is victory. All that is in front of me is good. We enjoy that now. Verse 26, I'm writing these things to warn you about those who want to lead you astray. But you have received the Holy Spirit or the anointing, and he lives within you. So you don't need anyone to teach you what is true, for the Spirit teaches you everything you need to know. And what he teaches is true. It's not a lie. So just as he taught you, remain in or abide in fellowship with Christ. As we walk through this passage today and and try to understand here what John is speaking into our lives, I I want us to kind of have two questions in the back of our mind as we go through this. And I just kind of want to apologize for my questions. They're written like you're already guilty. They're written written assuming your guilt. So for the the two of you out there for whom this is not true, I, I apologize. For the rest of you, deal with it. So two questions. Where am I comfortably building bonds with people and or ideas in the dark? Where am I doing that right now in my life? And why do I believe that I am greater than this warning? Why do I believe I'm above what John is trying to to communicate here. Why do I believe this doesn't apply to me? Six times in 37 verses, and when I say 37 verses, I'm saying if we go back to chapter 1, verse 1, 
and add up all the way through what I just finished reading, that's 37 verses. So six times in 37 verses, John has warned us about the darkness. He's saying, hey, I'm, 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 I'm looking at the church here, and guys, we're, we're living in the darkness here. And think about what we've learned now in these 37 verses. Hey, you're in the darkness if you sin. You might refer to it as a big sin, a little sin, a sin that's not bothering anybody, a sin that's not hurting anybody, a sin I have. However you want to define or describe the sin, the bottom line is when you sin, you are moving into the darkness. You're building a bond, a fellowship, a shared experience with darkness. When we say we have no sin, very few of us probably ever have or ever will say that. But guess what? Minimizing my sin, justifying my sin, saying I don't even think God's bothered by this sin anymore, that's the exact same thing. That's building a bondness with the dark. When I don't like certain other Christians, or maybe any Christians, when when I don't like Christians, I'm building a bond with the darkness. When, When I'm handling life, when I'm building life with the ways of the world, I'm building a bond with the darkness. And John's looking at, looking at us and saying, oh my, you know, from where I can tell, it looks like all of us are living quite comfortably, quite confidently, building a fellowship in the darkness. And we're standing there going, what? I, I, I love Jesus. I, I believe this stuff in the Bible. And John's saying that we do not get it. And he started to say this last week. He said, you know, whether you've got it under control or not, whether it's an issue or not, the bottom line is you're building a life and shared experience with that which is an antithesis to God, that which is against God. And today he puts a name on it. You're building a a life with antichrists, plural, Imagine a lot of us are, are familiar with the idea of a capital A singular antichrist of the great tribulation, right? But the idea of plural, the idea of right now, that well, I don't know if I've heard that. I, did, I didn't know this was happening right now. You know, the, the capital A, the singular antichrist, this is a person that Satan will embody. He will have worldwide influence. And will lead the world, lead the entire planet Earth to be anti-God, to be anti-Christ. His influence on this earth will be unlike anything the world has ever seen. So we understand that about him, but, but what about these? Well, no, these antichrists we're talking about today do not, are, they're not going to operate on that same level. They're not going to have that same level of influence as an individual. But what they're doing is exactly the same. Through their influence over an idea, over a person, over a group of people, not the whole world, but but a person at a time, a group at a time, they will lead us to be anti-Christ. They'll lead us to be anti-God. And we're going to be standing there the whole time going, I love, I love Jesus. The, 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 the first individual, the, the first idea being addressed here is false teachers. That, that would be the anti-Christ's. They're they're false teachers. 
But then he talks about anyone who denies. And we realize now we're not just talking about maybe a person up front leading us astray, but, but really anybody, any idea can have a very anti-Christ-like influence on our lives. And, and our guard is not up. Our arms, we're not being cautious. We're not being careful because we're, we're, our eyes are adjusting to the dark. And, and maybe at first we heard ideas that sound similar, that sound the same. Hey, you know, that's what we're about as Christians. Hey, those are words that are in the Bible. And, and, and we're kind of, you know, our guards down. Hey, this is what I'm about. This is what I'm a part of. And so we're not being careful. We're not being cautious. And Antichrist will move in all kinds of ways, affect our ideas on all kinds of things. But ultimately, you can put everything they're about and everything they're doing under two ideas. They are going to move me away from the deity of Christ and the authority of Scripture. Now, I don't know that the words, I don't know if words will ever come out of their mouth or your mouth. I don't believe Jesus is God. I don't believe the Bible. That can happen, and that could be what happens, but a lot of times it's not our words. It's our actions, and it's how we end up living. By their influence, by my engagement with that, all I know is I'm moving further and further from turning to Christ as my God and turning to his word for the way. You know, the strange thing is, when you're under the influence of, a, of an antichrist, they, again, they might even use the word Jesus. Well, you throw out a little Jesus word, and all of, I mean, our guards are down, right? Hey, we're all the same here. We're talking about Jesus. They might talk about very biblical ideas that, that we know this is who God is. This is what God is about, love and justice and goodness, and morality, and, and purity. Oh, man, yeah, that we've got to be about these things. And, and we have no guard down. And so, boy, we just begin to build relationship. We begin to build, get involved. We begin to engage with this idea. And because we're not cautious and not careful, we don't see what's, what's down the road and around the bend. If we could see what was down the road and around the bend, we would be cautious. I really believe that of most of us. We, we put our hands out, whoa, 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 where am I going? What have I gotten involved in? But we're not. We don't see it. And as we take each step, we become more and more. That's what our eyes do, right? We become adjusting, adjusted to the darkness. And all of a sudden, down the corner and around the bend, I have a, I have a new respect I have a new appreciation for sin. I have a new respect for that which is anti-God, anti-Christ, the Christ who loved me and forgave me of my sins. Man, the way this is described, the way I'm describing it, it sounds like it's, it's almost dangerous to go out there and have a relationship. I mean, can we have a, a relationship with, with unbelievers? Can we have a, a relationship with people who aren't Christians? I, wait a minute. I thought the Bible wanted us to do that. It absolutely does. Not, not pretend relationships, real relationships. Not, not relationships where I just put a notch in my gospel belt. 
No, I'm really genuinely building a relationship where I, I love this person, I care about this person. Because it's through that kind of relationship that the gospel travels. We just need to be cautious. And we never are. We have so much confidence in ourselves, so much confidence in our ability to control this and handle this. I would say we need to very regularly ask ourselves some questions, but we won't ask ourselves. You will not ask yourself the question with somebody that you genuinely like and enjoy, with an idea that you're really bonding with and want to see flourish. You won't ask the question. Which is why I need maybe somebody in my life, somebody I know that's in the light, somebody that is mature and strong, that will maybe every month or two say, hey, are you shining the light of the gospel in this relationship? Or are they helping you adjust to the darkness? One of those things is always happening. If you think you got relationships where neither one of those is the issue, your eyes have already adjusted to the dark. Am I in this relationship, in this group, in this idea, am I one bringing the light of Christ and the light of his word, or are they helping me adjust to the darkness? It is always happening. And the sad thing is, I mean, I mean, there are times where we're going to realize that it's happened. There are times where the, 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 the Spirit convicts us or moves on our life or a friend we love and trust comes alongside and says, man, you have, you have journeyed far from Christ. You are so uh, uh, up and engaged and we, we, we look at it and we see it and we realize it's the truth. And do you know at that point, you have, I have, we have utterly failed that person and that group. And, and now, because we've gotten down the road, usually what ends up, the only thing that, that happens now is the relationship gets broken. And so now we as Christians bust things up. Because e either A, I'm going to realize there's nothing I can do here, and we just start backing out of the relationship or we're going to try to throw the light on real quick. Well, guess what happens when you throw the light on in the middle of the night? It burns our eyes. I don't like that. Turn the light off. And that's what they end up saying to us. You know, get out of my life. We created the situation where one of us has to get out of the other's life. Because we weren't true. We weren't true to who we are. Do you know you, you, you are not loving anybody? And you're not helping any idea flourish that you have to hide who you are in Christ. You have to downplay what you believe about the Bible. At that point, we have we've adjusted to the dark. We've been deceived. And you know, we'll we'll look at this and we'll say, but I I, I don't. I, I don't know, this is, a, this is a good person or this is a, a, a good thing. You, you, know what, you want to know something? 
Honestly, I believe this person or this group I'm with over here. You know what? They're a lot more genuine real than a lot of Christians I've been around. What do you say about that, Pastor? I'm sorry. That is a possibility and a reality. Now, I would, I would add to that, you're probably over-exaggerating how good they are. And you're over-exaggerating how bad those Christians were. You know, when I've been deceived, a couple places in my life I got taken, right? I mean, we all. I mean, while you're being deceived, obviously what you're looking at seems good, real, valuable, true. It's, it's not till after I've been deceived, oh, wait a minute, that wasn't real good, valuable, or true. I mean, let's state the obvious here, folks. We don't recognize we've been deceived until we've already been deceived. That's how deceiving works. Gosh, is it even safe to go outside? Here's what we've got to do. Go home, come back to church. Don't go anywhere else. Home, church, that's it. It's not dangerous out there. It's dark. No, folks, God's given us everything you and I need to go out into a dark world, to live in a dark world, and to be the light. It starts with an anointing. You know, the reason some, tra- some translations will have anointing there and some will have Holy Spirit, which is it? Yes. It's both. With the Holy Spirit comes the anointing. This is a very interesting word right here for, for anointing. It's the word chrisma. It's only used in two places in the entire New Testament. 1 John chapter 2, verse 20 and verse 27. That, that word is only used right here. The word chrisma might sound a little familiar. It comes from the word Christos, which is where we get Jesus Christ. Say it with confidence. It's Jesus Christ. That word Christmas. When we say Jesus Christ, we're saying Jesus the anointed. Jesus the chosen one. Now, while that word is not used, that word for anointing right there is not used much in the New Testament. It's used a whole lot, that Greek word, in the Old Testament. You say, wait a minute, Pastor. I thought, I thought the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. It is. Thank you for bringing that up. We have a thing called a Septuagint. Has everybody, anybody heard of the Septuagint? Got a few hands, nodding, heads, nodding. The Septuagint is a Greek Old Testament. They, they, they took the Hebrew Old Testament and they translated into the Greek. You say, why are you sharing that with us today? I know you're blessed by that. Well, it gives us a chance in words that, hey, this word's not used at all in the New Testament. How do we take this? How do we understand it? Oh, well, guess what? It's used a whole bunch Whatever they were thinking this word meant in the Greek, they used it a whole bunch in the Old Testament. So what did it mean there? And there it's quite clear what it means. The anointing. You know what they anointed in the Old Testament? Spoons. Well, it wasn't just spoons. They anointed utensils. They anointed furnishings. They anointed clothing. They anointed the tabernacle. They anointed the, temp- the, the temple. They anointed things. Once the Holy Spirit was on it, once it was touched and anointed, that meant it is now no longer for common use. You cannot use these things. You can't use this room. You can't use these clothes. You cannot use these utensils for other things at other times. They're now holy. They're set apart and can only be used in this way. You want to know something interesting? In the New Testament, not one utensil is anointed. Not one article of clothing. Not one, not one building. Not one room. 
In the New Testament, we don't anoint objects anymore. The only thing anointed in the New Testament is you. You are anointed. You have the Holy Spirit on you. Do you understand that the moment we take Christ as our Savior and Lord, we are no longer for common use in this world. We have been set apart for holy use, for knowing God, for knowing God's Word and truth, for shining the light of God and His Word as a single person, as a married person, as a young person, as an old person, as a healthy person, as an unhealthy person, in this job, in being out of a job. Every condition of our life is a place to shine the light, a place where we lead people to look to God and to look to His Word. So you can see why John's so excited here. He's looking at a church that says, y'all aren't leading anybody to look at God in his word. They've led you to look away from God in his word. That's the influence. That's the impact. That's the effect of an antichrist. We have an anointing. Are we living it? And that's where we see the word, you, you need to faithfully remain, or the word there, abide. You need to, if, listen, if I'm going to live this anointing, I, I, I've got to abide. You know what abiding is? It, it's, it's what the military doesn't do. I, I say that because we've got you know, military posts here, a lot of military in, in our congregation, and, and they live a life of moving every 9, 18, 27 months, right? You've gotten so good at moving, the first day you move into a house, you're ready to move again. There's, there's boxes you won't even unpack. You won't even attend, you know, because we got to get, get ready for the next move. That is the opposite of abiding. Uh, abiding means a move is not in my future. I'm putting down roots. I'm putting down stakes. What does John say? You need to be putting down stakes. You're here permanently in that which you first believed. You're here permanently in Christ. You're here permanently in God's people. How do we do this abiding? What does that mean? Well, it talks a whole lot here. It's kind of confusing about learning truth and somebody's telling truth, somebody's lying, and you know, we don't need teachers. You can learn this. Wait a minute, you don't need teachers? Well, Lord, well, that's my job. What are you doing, Lord? You're leaving me out here with nobody needing me. What's that about? You know, it's interesting, this passage, it, it kind of makes it sound like, like getting knowledge is almost just like this passive thing. Like I, if I just stand here long enough, There'll be a, a, a truckload of knowledge just fall on me. Spiritual knowledge, Bible knowledge, I'm going to really know it now. What, what, which is it? Does it just fall on us or do we work at it? How does that work? Let me show you both verses. They work together. John 16, 13, Jesus ascend, when Jesus said, when I ascend to heaven, when I leave, I'm going to send somebody. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He's the spirit of truth and he's going to do what? He's going to guide you in all truth. Now that sounds somewhat passive, right? I'm just, I'm going to, I'm, you know, I'm standing here on this path. I'm not sure what to do next or where to go, but I'll, I'll just, I'm staying here, wait till the Holy Spirit gets here. And, 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 when, and when he gets here, he, he's, he's going to guide me. Yes, he is. Now when the Holy Spirit gets here and he moves into your heart and mind to bring to life what you what you know. What if I don't know anything? Yep, that's the problem. You see, that's what we do have a responsibility for. Look at 2 Timothy 2.15. Do your best. Hey, what did you look like when you were doing your best at something? I bet you were sweating. I bet you were sweating. You were working hard. 
You gave a lot of time, a lot of energy. You gave a lot. Nobody, nobody looks at somebody and says, boy, they're doing their best, and they're just sitting there. No, somebody that's doing their best looks like they're doing their best. What are we to do our best? To present ourselves to God as one approved. I passed the test. I'm certified in Bible knowledge. That's basically what that is there. How am I going to get certified? I mean, how do we know it's because I'm rightly handling the word of truth. Do you know how you rightly handle the word of truth? You have to read it. You have to read it. You have to study it. You got to dig a little deeper. And when all that's done, you start all over and you read it some more and you study some more and you dig a little deeper some more and you get around people who are reading and studying and digging a little bit deeper. Folks, the day of a shallow faith, first of all, should have never started. But it's definitely over. We live in a very aggressive world of ideas, a very aggressive world about our Christ and about His Word. Most of us can't explain our faith. Not somebody else's faith. We can't explain our own faith. We can't defend our own faith. Why? Well, gosh darn, it's hard to, hard to understand a lot of this. You've heard me say this before. Absolutely nothing wrong with saying, man, you know, I, I find the Bible difficult. or I, You know, actually, there's a lot of difficult things in the Bible. I'm amazed at how much is clear and simple and straightforward. Nothing wrong with saying that's a difficult concept. I, I don't quite understand that. You know, I don't know how to read the Bible. That's fine. It's not okay if you've been saying it for 10 years. There's nothing okay about being stupid for Christ. And you don't have any chance in the dark, in a world that is so powerfully and strongly right now The world you're going to walk into, manipulating and deceiving and twisting ideas. Let me say it again. Ideas about our God and His Word. And all we got is what? I love love Jesus. I I still believe what what I learned. We got to work at it. God absolutely intends for our knowledge, our faith, to be something that we work at. It's just to say I don't like to read. Do you grasp at all where you're living and what you're living in? Because that's what John is saying. He's, he's looking at a church and saying, y- y'all, y'all don't get it at all. Just think as long as you can say, I love Jesus and I believe his word, while you go out there and what you're actually building a bond and a fellowship and shared life and experience with is the darkness. And you're lying to yourself when you say you have it under control. You're lying to yourself when, it has, when you say it has no impact. That's what John said. Remember, we got tired the first three or four messages of John calling us a liar. But you're lying to yourself. Words out of your mouth may be, I love Jesus and I believe the Bible, but the life you're living, the life you're sharing is with antichrists. 
with all that is against God and his Christ, God and his word. We look in our relationships this week. Gosh, my prayer for you, my prayer for myself is that we cannot shake this message. We cannot walk past it. I pray it burns on your heart and mind mind every day this week. I pray every relationship you walk into, every idea that you walk in, am I leading them more to his word? I'm not saying it has to happen overnight. I'm not saying every conversation you have has to be about Jesus. I'm saying when you step back from that relationship, who's leading who where? Are you leading them more to Christ and his word, or are they leading you more anti, against Christ and his word? You know, we each have to apply individually what John is saying here, but what John is saying to us Your eyes have adjusted to the dark. If you think this is about breaking a rule, you're so far gone. Your life, your bond and fellowship was with the Antichrist singular. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will, you will help us to see where we are building bonds with people and ideas in the dark. Convict us of our arrogance or our laziness in that we believe this warning doesn't apply to us. Oh God, may I never build a bond. May I never build a life and a fellowship with that which is against you, who has loved me and forgiven me. Lord, obviously we get attracted to certain people and friends, attracted to certain ideas. God, may we realize I don't help any idea flourish that doesn't come from your word and way. I'm not helping the very idea that brought me into this. I love no person that I have to hide who I am in you, that I have to downplay who I am in you. Holy Spirit, I'm, I'm grieved by this word. I'm confused by this word. I don't know entirely where all to go with it. I pray for myself, I pray for each of us this week. We cannot, we cannot forget this. We cannot minimize it. God, I pray it, it burns in our heart every day this week. And all of a sudden, we're looking at every relationship. We're looking at everything that we're involved with. And we're getting an honest look Lord, maybe we believe in that idea. Maybe we love that person. We respect that idea. We respect that person. God, give us a vision of hell.
Give us a vision that we love and respect no person and no idea that we live and that we leave in hell. Lord, I pray every one of us is overwhelmed with the thought. If we wake up to Monday, it's because we're there for holy purposes. We're not for common use anymore. God, help us to realize it's not a long list of what to do and how to do. It starts with me wanting to be the light that you've called me to be. And Father, too many of us don't care about being a light for anyone, anywhere. I pray as we look at our church, I pray as we look at the church in America, that we'd have the same burden the same grief that John had. We ask for your help in this, and as we ask, Lord, we're so very grateful we have your forgiveness. We certainly need it. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen.